Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the podcast where we explore what redefining relationships looks like through a sex-positive lens. Let's kick shame and guilt to the curb and really start living a sexy, authentic life. I'm passionate about normalizing out-of-the-box ways of designing relationships. There's nothing quite like finding your tribe and experiencing the freedom of being completely yourself without judgment. I'm your host, Kareen Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. Well, welcome back to Breaking Free Authentically. We are on episode 30, and today's part two of my conversation with Andrea Hansen, licensed clinical mental health counselor. When you drop into your body and get out of your head, pleasure takes on a whole new level. You actually have more control of your parts, which is important if you are thinking about expanding your sexual horizons uh, and your sexual well-being and experimenting with different things. It is good to have control of your parts and learn how to control your body. Knowing how to stay in your window of tolerance allows you to make better decisions about your body and who you connect with in your sex life. It helps you to be able to express your desires authentically. It helps you to remain in the moment. Let's go back to our conversation with Andrea. We delve into our bodies, sex, and intimacy today. Creating safety is really the key. But before we go into the rest of the conversation, I want to remind you about my new eight-week program designed to release you from the default programming that we have about sex and relationships. This programming is called the mono mindset, and it often keeps us stuck and playing small in our lives and in our relationships. This mono mindset gives us false promises and often creates dissatisfaction and disappointment in our relationships and our sex lives. Let's learn a new way. Unlearn the old default programming and relearn and redesign your new mindset to meet your needs. Stay tuned for more details here and on my social media about how to sign up for Breaking Free from Monogamy. Are you struggling with your sexual well-being? Are you often disappointed in your relationships? Do you have unrealistic expectations? Do you ever wonder if you are actually cut out for monogamy? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts. Did you know it's not your fault? That's right. You've been brainwashed since childhood with a series of beliefs about sexuality and relationships. We call this the mono mindset. Do you feel like you've been sold a fairy tale when it comes to sex and love? Why isn't it working? Why am I not fulfilled? Why am I not satisfied? Why do I have a deep longing for more? Shouldn't I be satisfied? Content? Just be grateful? Well, you aren't alone. If this resonates with you, you are ready for the Breaking Free from Monogamy 8-week program. In this 8-week program, you will learn how the mono mindset has set us up for failure in our relationships and in our emotional and sexual well-being. How the mono mindset keeps us from being truly authentic in our sexuality and relationships. 
how it keeps us small and gives us a false sense of security, why we think of sexuality and anything related to sex as wrong or taboo, and how the mono mindset has invalidated your desires. Do you think to yourself, I want to fully enjoy my life and who I really am. I want real connections. I want to be able to be myself. I want to understand my body. I love who I am, but I don't seem to fit the mold. Maybe you've thought, I've always felt like a sexual deviant, but I'm actually a really good person. I don't understand. Well, many of my clients have said, Kareen, I didn't know I had choices. I thought monogamy was the only way to be happy and enjoy a fulfilling sex life. I thought that non-monogamy is for people that have commitment issues, and I thought it was just a way to legally cheat on your partner. I thought I was supposed to suppress my desires to have a successful relationship. But what if you could deconstruct the mindset that is holding you back from exploring other options? Well, you can in my eight-week Breaking Free from Monogamy program. Take your life back and become a master of healthy relating and sexuality. Lose the shame and guilt you've been programmed to feel in order to conform. It's not your fault. You weren't given a choice. Learn to love yourself and your desires. Discover what is natural and ethical. Breaking Free from Monogamy, an eight-week program shifting the mono mindset for greater intimacy and sexual well-being. Do you want to choose monogamy confidently or explore other healthy models? This program is for you. Please go visit offers.kareenbedard.com to go take the free Is Monogamy Right For Me quiz and to enroll in the new Breaking Free From Monogamy eight-week program. That's offers.kareenbedard.com. Please visit our website at www.breakingfreeauthentically.com and subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Be sure to leave a review on Podchaser by clicking the link at the top of the page. That would mean the world to me. Finally, I'd love for you to join Breaking Free Authentically, our private sex-positive relationship community on Facebook. All the links will be posted in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Okay, we're back for part two of the conversation. Before we get into it, we just went back a little bit from the end of last week just to give you a little intro into it. Uh, so it's, it just kind of starts abruptly, but we've gone back just a little bit so you don't miss anything. And it gives a little context for where we start off. So enjoy. It, it's interesting how things can play out, but just really the key is to to really love ourselves and and to find it in our body to connect with ourselves all parts of ourselves and that's hard to do if you're not paying attention yeah yeah and a key there as well as trusting yourself it's really hard to mm-hmm. connect to your body to notice your sensations if you think no, somebody else has the answer. I don't have it. I need to be searching for it elsewhere. Right. Or I can't connect to my body because it's just too scary. I can't, you know, what if I'm not able to get it back together? Right. Right. What if I just completely fall apart? So there has to be a deeper level of trust of, you know, I can do this, whatever Mm -hmm. I experience. If I connect to my body, 
I have already experienced and Mm -hmm. I have made it through and I am okay and I am strong enough. And of course, there's going to be some situations where dissociation is really, really real, right? Mm -hmm. So in those cases, you know, find a professional to help you be able Mm -hmm. to connect with your body or go do whatever it is that you need to do to get to a place where you can have that deeper internal trust so that you can feel, so that you can love all of those parts of self. Yeah. If we could talk about how that maybe affects our sexuality too, because since I'm a sex positive relationship designer, like I I talk about, you know, being authentic in who we are, but then being authentic in our sexuality also requires us to be able to tap into our body because sexuality is a very physical thing. It's also mental, you know, but you're going to have trouble if it's only mental. Oh, yeah. And and I find that, you know, a lot of men, men pay attention here because if you are wanting to be say, in the lifestyle a swinger, um, where you are in group situations, possibly, or in situations where you're not with your your spouse or your regular partner, you can easily get in your head and get stuck. And you know what happens when you get stuck in your head? Your parts don't work. <laughs> and you feel like you're the only one. And then you get even more in a panic. And then you're stuck there. And then you're like, well, I can't do this. I can't do this. But what if you were used to connecting to your body and getting out of the worry of performance or whatever and just be present, be able to get present in the moment where you can all of a sudden feel into your body, feel into your parts and allow them to feel pleasure and and to be in the moment without worrying about disappointing someone. A lot of that is like self-worth. Oh, yeah. Right? If I'm not enough, I'm not going to be able to perform well. They're not. They're going to think I'm not enough, and blah 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 blah. It's all based on my performance. No, it isn't. Right. I've had or they're so many think great that I'm not situations. attracted to them. Right. <laughs> exactly. And um, I I say to the partner of you know the male bodied person to make sure that well I'm I'm always sure to say you know like I it doesn't matter what state your cock is in, for instance, you know, it doesn't matter what state they're in. I can still enjoy being with the person because there's more to pleasure than just intercourse. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I think if we can get out of that fear-based mindset and drop into our bodies, we have to learn to do that because holy, when you get to drop into your body, pleasure takes on a whole different level. <laughs> Oh, yes. I was always stuck in my head. So stuck in my head. And now I'm like, I even was in an orgy room the other day and I hate orgies, but I was in an orgy room and I wasn't distracted by everything because I could drop into my body. And I was like, oh, okay. Still not my preferred, (laughs) my preferred area, but it said something to me that I have done a lot of work and I, and growth and I've connected to my body on different levels and it it benefits your sex life. <laughs> it's yeah. not just, you know, like personal growth isn't just for, you know, uh, hippy dippy garlic people, right? It's <laughs> it's beneficial to so many areas of your life. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's not giving you practical 
you know, things, advantages, pleasures, excitement, joy, then why do it, right? Other than to say, like, I'm better than you because I have more insight about myself. Right. right? But the, <laughs> but yeah, being in your body when it comes to sex is so hard for so many different reasons, uh, depending on your upbringing, right? We could do a whole other show about being LGBT, especially mm-hmm. trans, right? And how difficult that can be to learn how to be in your body. But even any of that aside, all of those complications, there's also just the societal stuff. Like we mentioned earlier, there's so much that we take on that we didn't mean to take on. It mm-hmm. just, you know, you you see billboards of what bodies are supposed to look like. You see movies of what bodies are supposed to look like. You see um, pornography of what sex is supposed to look mm-hmm. like and and what dicks are supposed to do right and yeah. like and of course you can know like size matters and yeah. all this kind of, like so you compare yourself and um you shared something personal the other day and I'm not gonna to I'm not gonna pry for it unless you wanted to share any of it but um something about how your body was viewed as a child right like like we internalize that and and it was something you were doing that was so innocent that brought you joy mm. and yet someone robbed that joy of you by putting shame in your body about yeah. your body right and 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 these are the and kinds of things that happen right exactly yeah so beyond that societal stuff there is the the personal stuff. And sometimes it's religious based where Mm -hmm. there is shaming around sexuality. And, and I know that that can be a really hard one for a lot of, a lot of us and a lot of men specifically, I've heard a lot of trauma in regards to religious sexual shaming, but the, uh, the post that you bring up that brings up the, you know, how we treat little girls Mm -hmm. in our society the over-sexualization, and it's not always for everyone. That in my experience, I was, I really loved to dance as a little Mm. girl. And I was told that, you know, maybe I couldn't dance in certain ways or around certain people because they would be looking at me and sexualizing me and maybe even, you know, harm me in a sexual way. So from a very young age, I felt some kind of responsibility around Mm. making sure that my body was a specific way so that I was safe, so that I was okay. Mm -hmm. And in so many of those different ways throughout our entire lifetimes, we learn what should and should not be as far as sex goes. And it becomes so incredibly complicated and we can completely dissociate during sex or we Mm -hmm. can Um, I think the there's an opposite that's true as well, that if you're not thinking at all during sex and you're just completely in your body, then things can go awry as well. There can there can be risky sexual encounters without using protection or without Mm -hmm. thinking about who it is that you're letting into Mm -hmm. this intimate space in your life. So really being able to be in that in that window of tolerance and that um, the glitter in the center Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. during a sexual encounter can take some practice and can really take getting out of performance Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. There's so much performance that happens in sex and, and what sex should be and what sex shouldn't be when in reality, sex is all about pleasure. 
right? You getting your pleasure, whoever you're with getting their pleasure and helping each other and enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. Practice pausing during sex, yep. pausing, stopping before climax, right? <laughs> and thinking like, am I enjoying myself? Is there something else that I want here? Asking mm-hmm. your partner, like, is there anything different? And it feels awkward and it doesn't feel porny to pause and have those conversations and connect with yourself and to check in with what you need. If you're too in your head about being flaccid, then that's okay. Like go take a break, go drink some water. And then maybe start again later. (laughs) Well, and it's, it's funny because like, um, I tell, I tell guys a lot. I'm like, if that happens, I'm perfectly happy because I like the feel of, of soft on me. Do you know what I mean? Like I like soft things. I'm not like a pressure girl and stuff. So, so that right there, just kind of naming the elephant in the room and saying, Hey, by the way, if that happens, I'm cool with that. I like that. So don't worry about it. And it usually doesn't because of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's, it's really cool to, to be able to help create safety with, with people that, you know, in sexual situations, you know, and, and negotiate kind of agreements and things like that. I know the kink world is very, they're very good about negotiating agreements and safe words and things like that. And they negotiate the scene before they do the scene. Um, so that you kind of know what's happening and, you know, the sub has the control really. And it seems like the Dom does, but the sub is the one who has the control. And usually the Dom is a very empathic person who can pay attention and read people really well. It's not about being an asshole who likes to inflict pain on people. Um, so I, I think that we can take a lesson from that in in the sense of we get to speak up, you know, and I think as women, you know, we've been taught since we were young, especially if we we're in religious circles, that our body is not our own mm-hmm. and that we are, res- it's not our own, but we are responsible for the men and yeah. their sexual purity for some reason. Somehow, um, magically. Yeah. Like it's, it's that's a big burden and to be shamed if you have a little bit of cleavage showing or, you know, it's just, it's interesting. And um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. And so being able to have those conversations with whoever you're having sex with, being able to say, this is what I'm into. This, this this is my limit. This is what I don't Mm want to try. And then on the other end, being able to acknowledge that if somebody doesn't want something at any given moment during sex, or if suddenly they are no longer in the mood, it's not a personal rejection. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're not sexy. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It doesn't mean that they don't want to have sex with you in 10 minutes from now, but right now their body's having some kind of response. Maybe they're Mm -hmm. distracted by something. Maybe they're anxious. Right. So, I mean, it's such a, such a team activity having sex it's Mm -hmm. both people really have to be in their bodies and really quite connected and there's so much more to sex than penetration Mm -hmm. right of course a lot of the lgbtq lgbtqia community (laughs) plus are really quite aware of that and explore all of those different things that can happen during sex 
so much more than the cishet community. Yeah. And, and I, I think like sex positivity in general, the idea is that you do, it's, it's about awareness and, and being aware of your body, being aware that goal oriented sex is ejaculation, right? Mm-hmm. Like often it's like, it's, it's not done until you ejaculated. Well, sometimes I'm pretty darn exhausted yeah. after, you know, <laughs> a long session. And, and it's like, I, that doesn't have to be the goal. And, and so what would you say to someone in a situation like that? Okay. So you, you've been playing with someone for a while and you, you've had, okay, maybe as a woman, you've had many orgasms and your partner still hasn't. Mm -hmm. And inside we've been taught that we're responsible for someone else's orgasm. Like that's been a programming Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're like, it's not fair if I say no, I like I can't anymore. Then I'm I'm tapping out or I'm done or whatever. What would you recommend to to instill like trust in ourselves to be able to to honor a no and remove that guilt? Like what how do we tap into ourselves and sort of own that? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be, you know, so different depending on yeah. everybody's individual, you know, why they have a hard time mm-hmm. saying I'm done mm-hmm. in that moment, but really shifting from that sense of, like you said, goal oriented sex mm-hmm. to sex equals orgasm to we're just having fun and we're just enjoying each other. Then it can be over whenever. Right. And of yeah. course, women have different kinds of orgasms. And you might not be done with sex until you've had a specific kind of orgasm. It's so true, right? isn't it? And, and they're like, well, you've you've came like 50 times. Yeah, but it, it's yeah, like, you know, when you ejaculate, one. you're done. Like, I haven't had that kind either. Yeah. Right. So like, we're still on the same like edgy space, even right. though I'm exhausted and like, I'm done too. But I, you know, it's okay. I didn't have to come like that too. Like we can enjoy just the pleasure of it all. And it's just a reframe, I think, for a lot of people. And yeah. and I know that I've, you know, navigated that with people and, and it's not always been easy, but it's so cool when you finally get to the point where you're like, you know, I get to have my orgasm and I get to, I get to know my body and know mm-hmm. what works for me. And it's my job to either have you helped me with it? <laughs> or I take it into my own hands, if you will, but right. not even hands, but like, you know, okay, no, I'm going to go in this position now. Mm-hmm. And cause I know this is what works for me. So I'm going to release you of the responsibility to just keep going and to try to make this happen. Right. And I'm just going to do that. So you can, you can al- give your partner safety and space to do that as well. Okay. Well, I will watch you finish or I will, if you really need to finish, what what can can I do do to help you? Yeah. Right. What can I do? That's less, you know, I'm done, but can I pose for you? Can I stimulate another area of your body? That's easier for me to stimulate while you Mm self-stimulate, right? Can I, um, do you want to watch some porn, right? Like whatever, happens whatever works for you and your mm-hmm. situation to both feel satisfied yeah. without overextending or doing something that is a self-betrayal that yeah. is I don't want to do this but I'm doing this anyway I'm not going to feel good about it later it's going to add some resentment or bitterness to our relationship if we do it consistently or it makes you afraid of the next time because you're like oh, 
Like if I get in this position again, I'm going to feel uncomfortable again. And I, I don't want to do that. So if I just don't start it, I'm, you know, then, then I, I save myself from having to be mean if that's your dialogue. Right. Um, but I think just really adopting this, like, I am not responsible for, for that. I'm responsible for my own pleasure. Um, but man, I can have someone help me with it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, but release the pressure of that. Just like, um, other people aren't responsible for healing my inner child. Mm -hmm. They can play a part in it. And a lot of times it takes someone in to be in a relationship with someone where you feel safe enough to, to let that, that ugly part out and for someone to go, well, that part's okay too. And then you can go back and say, I'm really sorry. I ignored you all this time. You know, like maybe you aren't so bad, you know, but I thought you were so vile. I didn't want to show you to anybody. And now this person's accepting that part of me. Maybe, maybe I can accept it too. So sometimes it does take others to, you know, the work doesn't always have to be done singularly. Um, No, an environment is so important. Having stability, having safety in the environment, whether it's healing your internal child or having a good positive sexual encounter and feeling safe to have those conversations and Mm -hmm. to build consent and to have really incredible sex, Mm -hmm. a foundation of safety and being able to communicate and being able to have awkward times and work through it. Mm -hmm. All of that is required if you want to do anything other than the run of the mill pornographic performative sex. And I mean, if that's what you want and and if that's all you want, great. Um, and there's a lot of swingers that are in the lifestyle for that purpose. They just want to kind of play out porn fantasies, you know, mm-hmm. for me, that's not enough. Like that doesn't do anything for me. That's not why I'm in the lifestyle. I desire to connect with people. And so I'm in the lifestyle and I can have fun, sexy experiences with other people or I'm polyamorous and that's a different realm and I can have loving relationships with other people as well. Um, and a lot of people say to me, I, I just, I can't have sex with people unless I have a connection. I'm like, that's perfectly okay. You just have to be true to that and, you know, like figure out what your criteria is. Like for me, if I can't have an intellectual conversation with conversation with you and cuddle with you, then I'm probably not going to have sex with you just because those things make me feel safe, mm-hmm. make me feel seen and make me feel turned on. <laughs> and if I can't do those things, I'm probably not going to engage sexually with you. And that's perfectly okay. But I own that. I don't shame myself for going, oh, well, I can't just join in and jump in an orgy and just kind of go with that. I, that's not me. I don't want to do that. And that's okay. And a lot of people just feel like, there's something wrong with them for that if they're in the lifestyle, you know, and there isn't every, everybody has a different flavor. Like some people are just social swingers. Like they just come and hang out with cool people and be in the sex, sexy vibe. Like that's not, you know, and then when it comes to monogamy, like you also just, (laughs) I see this all the time, just because I can date doesn't mean I'm going to date you. Right. It's mm-hmm. the same with monogamy. You can make choices that feel good in your body. How do you feel about someone? You don't have to engage with someone sexually if you've had a great date. You don't need to go on to the next step if you don't want to. Yeah. And 
trust your body. There's if there's a, a resistance to it, maybe it's shame, but maybe it's just your your body saying there's something about this person that I just don't click with and I, I feel embarrassed or I'm not going to feel safe and comfortable to be vulnerable enough for that, you know, and, and you're allowed to listen. <laughs> you're allowed to make that choice. So I think the idea of somatic body work affects pretty much everything, mm-hmm. right? It affects our food choices. Yeah. How do you feel in your body after you eat something? Mm-hmm. Like, do I need and to what eat is the feeling in your body that's causing that craving for that mm-hmm. specific thing? And does it really want that specific thing? Or is it craving a feeling that's associated with that mm-hmm. thing? There's so much. Somatics are so fascinating and so incredible to be able to put a finger on and explore and just be curious about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Um. You talked about the window of tolerance. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else about that window of tolerance that you would like to say? With the window of tolerance, I also like to flip it on its side and turn it into a path. Mm-hmm. Emotions are a guide in so many ways. And of course, they can't be 100% the guide all the time. We have to blend it with reality and logic and like all of that kind of stuff but we feel certain things especially strong things quite often when something's not going right Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's an external thing that's not going right that we don't have much control over and sometimes it is an internal thing so we've already talked about you know owning that trigger I'm I'm not feeling okay and then the next step being How do I move through this in a sense of alignment? And that's the path with the window of tolerance. It's that sense of, I am, uh, you know, this person, I have a sense of identity. These are my values and values don't have to be super complicated. They are, you know, I, I like to give, you know, I like to feel like I'm giving something to the community. I like to feel like I am, um, you know, helping out when I can, right? Just be a good person. Um, Or you can value adventure, right? Your values are your own and you get to figure out what those are. And anytime that you are in alignment with that sense of meaning and purpose and value, it actually activates that prefrontal cortex, Mm. that area that you were talking about when you flip the lid and you don't have Mm -hmm. any control and Suddenly, it's very hard to accomplish much of anything, mm-hmm. right? Or to think rationally, because all of that stuff's up towards the top of the brain. Mm. So, when you are acting in alignment with your sense of meaning and purpose, you are building up that prefrontal cortex, you're releasing serotonin, you're connecting to that sense of you. All of those morals and who am I and what do I care about is all up in the prefrontal cortex. And that helps you to regulate your emotions because you're using more of your whole brain as opposed Mm. to just the logic, which is just that prefrontal cortex or just the emotion, which is further down in the limbic system. And then, of course, the the hyper and hypo arousal on the Mm -hmm. top and bottom of the window of tolerances. Those are more of a a vagus nerve um, response that Mm. dorsal vagal and ventral vagal. We could talk about that another time, mm-hmm. but <laughs> the the path it then helps you know 
you know, if you have done something that is in self-betrayal, you're going to feel not great. You're not going to be accomplishing as much. You're not going to be feeling okay. You're going to be on the outside of that path, whether it's hyper or hypo. Hmm. And of course, that's not to say that external things can happen that is going to throw you off. But we're, we're talking about specifically things that you can control. Okay, So the more often that you focus on who am I? What are the roles that I fill in life? I'm a sister. I'm a mom. Um, I'm a personally, I'm a, I'm a therapist. I'm a um, funny person. Uh, these are <laughs> these are the roles. You, you sound not sure about that. Like I'm a funny person. <laughs> funny person. Just trying to think. <laughs> what are the roles that I fill? I make people laugh. <laughs> um, I am a daughter. Right. I am a student in many ways. Uh, so these are the roles that I fill. And at any given time in our life, we fill about 32 roles. But then over our lifespan, it's several hundred. <laughs> but if we hone in on what are the most important roles that I'm filling in my life right now mm-hmm. and on a scale of zero to 10 with each of those roles, how aligned am I with my sense of meaning, purpose and values? And yeah. then what can I do to bump that up? Just like a half point. If I'm at a five, how can I get to a 5.5? And that's how we can slowly start to become more aware if we're paying attention to the somatics within our own bodies. We can slowly start to become more and more aware of, I feel really good and I am able to make decisions much more quickly. I'm able to have conversations much more easily. I'm able to go about life in a much more simple state of flow when I am on that path. I'm in the window of tolerance that, you know, it it can expand, it can contract, but I am able to stay true to myself. That's good. And when you find yourself on the outside of that path, it's just, you know, a good time for self-reflection and a good time to, to course correct. Like, what do I need to notice? Like, just be aware. Don't beat yourself up for it. Totally. Cause like, we're so evil to ourselves. (laughs) A friend of mine was telling me last night, he's like, you're so hard on yourself. And I was like, no, I'm just being realistic. And she's like, no, you're being hard on yourself. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not acknowledging the things that I am accomplishing and I'm focusing on the things that I'm not accomplishing. And I wouldn't do that to a friend. I would focus on what they accomplished first and be proud of them. Yeah. And then I would challenge them and and encourage them to keep going. So, yeah, I guess I was being hard on myself. Do you know what I mean? But we don't yeah. notice that. We're just like, I'm just trying to be better. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's always improvement, improvement, improvement. It's like, how about you just celebrate where you are right now? Oh, yeah. And be like, yeah, I fucking did it. Yeah. I made it this far. And look at me. I'm like way more healed than I was two years ago. Like, I'm a totally <laughs> different person. And I'm so yes. happy with who I am. Uh, I still have a long ways to go in other areas of my life, you know? Yeah. But like, why, why can't I celebrate? You know, that also brings me to another point, just about this window of tolerance a little bit. It's, I don't know if it's called the window of tolerance, but it's like the level of tolerance and Gay Hendricks talks about it. And then Tony Robbins talks about it too, in a different way. And he called, he relates it to it like a thermostat. And so when we're, 
growing or, or doing new things and learning new things about ourselves, we tend, and it's probably still the window of tolerance. It, you get to this, the top level of that, that thermostat or that comfortable level and you go above it a bit. Like, let's say you're just really happy and you're in this, you're doing so well and you're really happy. And then your body goes, we don't like it here. This is uncomfortable. This is not where I usually sit. Let's crank down the heat and let's bring us back down to like, you know, a little bit of more woe is me here because we're not used to this happy, happy, you know. And I think that our body gets uncomfortable after a bit in in the newness of like expanding that window. And yeah. so I think we can challenge ourselves that sometimes that's going to feel uncomfortable in the body and maybe back up a little bit, but also real recognize that. If you're feeling uncomfortable right at that top level, it's probably because you're in the midst of growth and you're you're wanting to create a new ceiling. Yeah. A new... Yeah. The window of tolerance expands and it that part of growth is it be, does become wider and mm. wider. And a lot of people, so I've worked with a lot of people in some pretty serious addiction mm. and typically right at the beginning of treatment, their window of tolerance is just incredibly small to where everything is just sending them off right mm -hmm. to the to really terrible places. And of course, in addiction, the brain is hijacked to where distress equals death and the drug mm -hmm. equals survival. Right. Um, so it's just this loop, right? And we find ourselves in that loop in other ways that might not involve substances specifically. Mm -hmm. But the the goal definitely is, and it's it's uncomfortable. We even if our comfort zones are really uncomfortable, as long as we're used to it, we'll we like to stick with it. Yeah, it's like, like we like know. to sit in this place of pain and misery sometimes, yeah. and it's familiar. Yeah, and all of a sudden feeling joy and happy. We got to sabotage that, man. We got to mm. sabotage the shit out of that because uh, we can't be happy like that. <laughs> right? um, we yeah. were taught that we have to work hard and life has to be hard or relationships should be hard. You know, is this, is this really, <laughs> is this really true? Like, no, I can't be this happy. I'm going to do something to like piss them off just to see if yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to be happy. Right? That's going to and... feel a little more comfortable because then I can, you know, <laughs> right again like going back to confirming that belief and like <laughs> like oh yeah like I know this negative thing about myself and I'll prove it and then I'll feel like good and safe and there's so many nuanced reasons why we do that sort of thing but the at the end of it it's comfortable even though it's not comfortable at all but definitely like expanding that and getting in the growth zone right is there's the growth zone and that's not comfortable, but we are moving forward. We are, things are changing and it's a positive thing, even though it's a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. And then beyond the growth zone is like the, oh my gosh, I'm on the edge of a cliff, like panic zone. Right. And so mm -hmm. often we flip flop between panic zone and comfort zone. Mm -hmm. We go too far. And then we, we go back into our caves. <laughs> if we can kind of edge that, I know you had a, a little live about edging. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's gonna be an article coming out that I did with a uh, with a journalist about edging. And yes, it is very much that. And it's about recognizing your body, you know, like what are your what's in your body? Where are you close to orgasm, right? Like we're yeah. big point of joy and get close to that and then pull back a little bit and go, hmm, 
And it makes you want more of that joy. Whereas if you just just yeah. come right away, then it, you get really tired and you want to go back to sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you have to edge your growth zone. Yeah, I like <laughs> edge it. Edge your I window like of it. tolerance. So that <laughs> That's what you- I think I might call this is edge your growth zone. Edge your window of tolerance. I don't know I love what it. you call this. <laughs> yeah, it has to involve edging <laughs> in some way. I'm sure you'll think of the perfect title. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, edging that. And then also I do want to normalize for, um, I've, I've had multiple conversations with so many conversations with people who feel like there's something wrong with them because they are not happy all the time because they don't experience joy all the time. Right. And there's so much misinformation out there about that, you know, humans are meant to have joy and all of that kind of stuff. And the reality is that our brains are not set up to experience happiness consistently. It's the same system that functions in addiction. It's the same system. It's the survival center of the brain. It needs to maintain a homeostasis. It needs some balance. Mm-hmm. Anytime that's experiencing too much dopamine or really anytime when you get a little bit of dopamine, dopamine that happy chemical, mm-hmm. then the cortisol release factor comes and pushes it back down. So if you're experiencing, and cortisol is the stress chemical. So that pushes it back down because it wants to be in homeostasis. So we end up having like these little waves of dopamine, cortisol, dopamine, cortisol. So if we're spiked up to a ton of dopamine all the time, like when you're um, engaging in sex way too often in a habitual way that is damaging, or if you're um, anything that's related to survival. So it can be codependent relationships. It can be substance abuse. It can be food addiction. It can be hoarding um, that's related to shelter. Any of those, if you're experiencing too much dopamine, your body goes into allostasis where there's this cortisol release factor, just pumping your body full of chemicals. And if you take that away, you go into some level of withdrawal. And that looks different depending on what was causing that dopamine burst. Um, so we, our bodies don't like that. It's not fun. It's not healthy. Mm-hmm. So there's that consistent trying to push down with the cortisol release factor. So experience mm-hmm. joy, experience happiness in bursts, but acknowledge also that the body, the brain is set up to feel neutral, to feel contentment, to just mm-hmm. be okay. Well, and I think the very thing of feeling contentment in sort of the everyday and just like the non-perfection of your life creates these beautiful moments of joy and peace yeah. and happiness. Um, and and really, like we need the yin and the yang, the black and the white. Like without without night, we wouldn't enjoy day, and without yeah. daytime, we wouldn't enjoy the darkness. You know, like we need the the opposites to feel that difference, right? And to to really appreciate joy. Yes. We need to feel what it's like to not have joy. Otherwise, we'd just get used to it, right? Yeah. So, well, that's a good place to end. So if you would like to share your um, where we can find you, I will put those yeah. in the show notes. So you, if you want to tell, tell them yeah. where they can find you. Yeah, so I am based out of Utah, and I do um, I do short, uh, kind of two three month recalibrations that are very intensive and involve psychedelic assistance, which is also one of those things that's 
feel the woo-woo, but it has decades of research mm-hmm. behind it. Um, so I have clients sometimes fly in from other states. We do the preparation and integration virtually, and then they come in for a weekend and we do the big psychedelic assisted intensive. It's like four to oh, six hours to long. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. Just, just, you know, me and you, it's just us. And we just do this really intensive, incredible work, um, recalibrating the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the, the other thing that I, do as well that I've created. It's more of a do-it-yourself self-help guide, but it's very specific to your neurology. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is I've compiled just hundreds of research, peer-reviewed research articles on neuroscience. And you just go in and you take an assessment, lasts about 15 to 30 minutes, depending on your style. And from that, it generates a report that says, hey, this is the systems in your brain, these are the ones that are, you know, functioning within normal ranges. These are the ones that are causing you troubles. And here's some like simple at-home stuff that you can do to build up these specific regions of your brain. Mm-hmm. So both of those offers can be found on my website and that link will be in the description. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been a great talk. I think I might turn this into two episodes and, uh, yeah, we'll maybe have the sexy part of it after. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. And yes. thank you for your time. Have a great afternoon. You too. And, um, yeah. Thank you. Love you. Yes, thank you. Love you. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was another thought-provoking episode with Andrea. And I'm so happy to have had a chance to talk with her. And For you to have two episodes to get to listen to just some beautiful things that she had to share. I love the way she's challenged us to edge that growth zone to really increase our comfort zone or that window of tolerance. It's so important in life to be able to grow past our comfort zone sometimes and experience new things and new levels of joy and happiness. Thanks for being here and we will see you next week. As I always say, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Stay authentic, everyone. I love you. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Corrine Bedard Coaching. And you can visit my website at kareenbedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at breakingfreeauthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to kareen at kareenbedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity... Authenticity is the key. Have a great week.